Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life podcast. This is your host, Krista Bigler, private practice integrative nutritionist, helping people across the U.S. reverse digestive issues, eczema, and autoimmunity via phone and video consult. To learn more, visit lessstressednutrition.com. Now, on to the show. All right, today on The Less Stressed Life, we have Samantha Wright back again. And if you remember, Sam was here earlier in the year talking about, um, she was talking about essential oils from a whole, but she's so fantastic. We asked her to come back and share with us something that's kind of cool and trendy and just like a new angle on it. We're going to talk CBD oil versus copaiba, copaiba some kind of essential oil, right? So we're going to talk about that. I have it in my cover. Sam and I were just talking off air about how to say it right. So I'll spell it out. C-O-P-A-I-B-A. So that way you can think about what we're saying when we say it. Copa Iba or Copa Iba or whatever. So let's talk about Sam. So Sam hosts the world's number one essential oil podcast, The Essential Oil Revolution, with over 2 million downloads to date. She helps people from all over the world learn about the amazing power of essential oils and how to take control of their health. Um, she's a sought after leader in the essential oil community and loves sharing her passion for health and wellness with others and lives in Boone, North Carolina with her husband and two children. Welcome back, Sam. Hi, Krista. It's good to see you again. Yeah. So let's start at the top. We're talking today about CBD versus Copaiba. And so let's talk what CBD is because maybe people don't know what that is. Yeah, sure. That's a great place to start. So CBD is a chemical constituent found in some plants, not just found in cannabis or hemp. So it stands for cannabidiol. So CBD stands for cannabidiol. Um, It's not, so when you say CBD, you're not talking about cannabis, you're not talking about marijuana. It's just one of the many constituents that can be found in the cannabis plant and in other cannabidioids or cannabidoid-like substances. So chew on that for a second. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, CBD, it is, so when we talk about CBD in a modern day sense, right, it's blowing up, it's all over the place, it's trending, it's hot. So when people talk about CBD today, they're talking mostly about an oil derived from the cannabis plant. So even though CBD is a molecule that's found in other places, when we talk about CBD oil, typically we're talking about 
something that's been extracted from the marijuana or hemp plant. And it's, it's kind of this substance that's somewhere in between like a fatty oil, like coconut oil, almond oil, like that fatty kind of oozy carrier oil type stuff. So it's somewhere kind of in between that and an essential oil. So unlike a true essential oil, which are typically obtained via steam distillation, cold pressing, or resin tapping, CBD has to be extracted from the plant using a vacuum distillation. So it's like thick, it's viscous. It does not like evaporate into the air like other essential oils do as rapidly. So um, does that make sense? Yeah, no, actually, you're telling me some things I hadn't really thought about before with CBD. Um, so, I mean, you're ba- you're kind of liking it to an essential oil. Essentially, that's what it is, but it's a very thick one because of the way it's processed or extracted. Yeah, basically. Yep, basically. So it's being researched a lot right now. It's a very hot topic. And most of the research being done on CBD um, is being researched as like a natural medicine for pain, seizures, anxiety, and and other things like that. Um, When you look at the cannabis plant itself, the cannabis plant actually produces hundreds of different cannabinoids, Mm -hmm. um, but there's really only a couple that we're interested in for their therapeutic benefits, CBD or cannabidiol being one of those. Mm -hmm. So CBD itself has no psychoactive properties. So in, in cannabis, you have CBD, you also have THC. So those are kind of the two like main therapeutic molecules that we're all like excited about. And the difference between those are, you know, in layman's term, the CBD does not make you high. It doesn't have those psychoactive properties, but it has very uh, sedative and like pain relieving effects, it acts on what's called our CB2 receptor. So there's like these two CBD or CB like receptors in our body. There's CB1 and there's CB2. There's probably other ones. We just don't know about them yet, but those Mm -hmm. are the main ones being studied right now. So CBD really only acts on the CB2 receptor. So you don't get the effects of like psychotropic changes of elation or sensory distortion, altered sense of time, giggles, (laughs) those kind of things. That's more of what the THC can do. The THC engages both the CB, uh, CBD1 and CB2 receptors in the body. And it has its own therapeutic um, properties. And most people who really study like CBD oil will tell you, you know, if you want the kind of the full therapeutic range of benefits of CBD oil, you do want to find one that does contain that THC because it, it really acts synergistically with that CBD oil and it has its own effects on the body that are going to be beneficial. But that's where you start getting into like the, the legality issues, the like some people don't want to feel that kind of high sensation. Um, so yeah, does that all make sense? No, you did a great job of explaining it. I'm going to tag on to a couple things. So I know that you can use THC and CBD synergistically to, and not get a person high, but this is sort of like <laughs> working with an experienced practitioner maybe that knows CBD oil well, but some other thoughts, just like with essential oils or any kind of supplemental thing, the, the industry matters, right? I mean, it's not 
super we are trying to regulate cbd oil in a different way that we than we there's really no regulation around supplements so much or anything but cbd there is some funky regulations from place to place technically um is that really a problem i mean you have to kind of that changes so much i hate to say too much about it what i can say about it is that um well, first, uh, you were talking about CB1, CB2. So not that long ago, very in very recent year, research years anyway, we discovered this endocannabinoid system, right? And that is what the CB1 and CB2 receptors belong to is our endocannabinoid system. So some people say like, oh, we already have this system that's wanting these receptors to be filled. But I want to say... I just recently looked at this with someone else that you can get cannabidiol in not only um, from cannabidiol oil that's sourced from the marijuana plant, but also from other foods too. I hate to say that without remembering <laughs> remembering what it is, but I think it actually is in some other things. Um, if we look that up, I can't remember if it's echinacea or some other things. Do you know, Sam? Yeah. So, so the the terminology gets a little tricky here. So, my understanding is that. CBD, cannabidiol, is a type of cannabidoid, and a cannabidoid is can also be found, like a cannabidoid is what interacts with the endocannabinoid system, the ECS, which like you talked about was discovered pretty recently. It was discovered in the 1980s. So we're like really only scratching the surface on research there. So like CBD is something that acts on that uh, endocannabinoid system, but then there's all these other categories of cannabinoids that act on that same system. Things like what you're talking about, black pepper, uh, melissa, oregano, like these essential oils and plants have um, either cannabinoids or like terpenes that so you can't really say that those are CBD. They're not cannabidiol, but they are a type of cannabinoid that acts on that same endocannabinoid system so there's like a it's tricky terminology for sure it is just because it's very similar sounding words you did a beautiful job of explaining it um okay so let's talk so my little um really add brain when you were talking about it when we were talking about how like essentially cbd oil is kind of an essential oil right so my my immediate thing was like i wonder what would happen if you diffuse cbd oil I wonder if people do that. Yeah, I think it's probably too thick to yeah. to diffuse it. Yeah, so it's like it's kind of an essential oil, but it's but it's also kind of like a fatty based oil, which you can't really. It doesn't. It's not as volatile. It doesn't like go up into the air as easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you touched on some of the therapeutic benefits of CBD, including anxiety, natural pain relief. Um, some other, some other things. I actually saw a study where in rats they put, they use CBD and those rats healed their bone twice as fast. So it's kind of interesting. There's some different, different things. I mean, I think that the list can get a little long. Anything else you needed to add to that? Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting if you, if you look at not just CBD, but just look at the whole endocannabinoid system, the ECS system, um, which again, like it's a pretty recent discovery. Like if you talk, if you try to talk to your doctor about it, like they might not really know that much about it, right? Because it's mm-hmm. so recent. But if you look at what that system does, is it essentially fine tunes like almost every vital physiological function of our body. It, the way it's been described to me is that it's kind of in charge of homeostasis for all of our systems. So it can affect everything from sleep, appetite 
pain, inflammation, memory, mood, our reproductive system, our endocrine system, like it's pretty huge on our endocrine system, homeostasis, which is where all of our hormones are controlled. So like basically if you're, if that system is out of whack or needs help getting fine tuned, like you're going to feel it in lots of different ways and it's going to express itself really differently in, in different bodies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Beautiful. So again, really nice way of describing it. You, you, um, you could probably teach, you could probably teach classes on this. <laughs> so, all right. So we're, we've touched on what CBD is kind of how it acts in the body, the therapeutic benefits. Now let's talk about, this is kind of like a ring, right? CBD versus Copa Iba showdown. Let's talk about Copa Iba now for a moment. Copa Iba is an essential oil. Let's talk about where it comes from. Where is it grown? Is it known by other names? Tell us about it. Yeah. So copaiba is an essential oil. It's one of the kind of lesser known essential oils, but once you get to know it, you, it becomes one of your favorites. Like everyone that I know that uses it and gives it a chance are like, Oh my God, this is like my favorite oil now. So it can be used in lots of different ways. Um, I know that you've told me before you've used it when your daughter was teething, right? Right. And it was very effective. And last podcast, we talked about how important it is to know if an oil is a bit spicy maybe or strong and whether you can put it on neat or without dilution and I'm pretty sure I put copa iba on their gums without dilution without I did it to myself first of course right so I did it to myself and was like oh nothing like no pain nothing here so I put it on them and I I really felt like it made a substantial difference rubbing it on their gums yeah absolutely um it's a very effective oil and very gentle which is what i really like about it and it kind of has this like sweet smell or and it almost has this sweet taste as well so you know if you are going to put copaiba and cbd oil in a ring together i'd say really one of one of my favorite like benefits of copaiba versus cbd is that i just simply like the taste way better i cannot stand the taste of cbd oil (laughs) i'm like Mm -hmm. such a baby so um so that's just that's just one like small funny difference but um but they're really completely different plants so copaiba and um and cannabis or hemp they are not related they're they are not in the same species or category um copaiba comes from a tree in brazil so the way that we extract copaiba essential oil is you have to tap the tree kind of like you would tap a maple tree Mm -hmm. and this like sap or you know liquid comes out this very very liquidy uh substance comes from the tree that is then that liquid is then steam distilled to become copaiba essential oil and copaiba essential oil contains lots of different chemical constituents. I'm not going to be able to pronounce them all. But the biggest one, the bulk of what uh, what is in copaiba essential oil is a substance called beta-caryophylline. And it's about some people, it, it, this kind of gets into a conversation about uh, distillation quality, but some copaiba oils can contain as little as like 39% caryophylline, and then some are up to like 72% on the higher end. So that's going to be like a quality difference there. Wow. Um, and then on top of that, there's going to be um, other chemical constituents. Again, I probably won't be able to pronounce them all. Alpha humulene, delta cardine lots of other long words. So, um, 
Copaiba itself, if you look at sort of the history of how it's been used, um, the healers in the Amazon would use Copaiba resin for all types of pain and inflammatory disorders like stomach ulcers, um, insect bites, sore throats, kidney and bladder disorders, inflammation, um, Brazilian herbal medicine, the resin is used a lot and it's highly regarded as a strong antiseptic. Um, an expectorant for the respiratory tract. So it's kind of just one of those like catch all herbs <laughs> that's used and especially in that area of the world, um, you know, throughout its history. And copaiba, you can take it either internally, like you can put it in a capsule or you can put it in tea or water and drink it, or you can diffuse it and breathe it in, get it into your respiratory tract. Or you can apply it topically like you did with your um, with your daughter when she was teething or just, you know, put it really anywhere on your body. And it's very gentle. Um, so so that's Copaiba. Now, I'm, if you yeah, go ahead. I was going to ask, have you used it for body pain anywhere? So I uh, my husband uses it a lot. He's a carpenter and his body is just whacked all the time and mm -hmm. super sore. So he loves he makes a topical mixture of Copaiba palo santo and wintergreen and like we'll rub that on his knees on his shoulders and he it's his favorite muscle rub he loves it i'm sorry paul what wait oh oh palo santo i don't know what that is palo oh santo? yeah it's it's like a very common incense like a lot of people recognize it in yoga studios it's used a lot as like an incense or a herb that you will smoke almost like sage but it's also a popular essential oil that um i love it it's it's got a lot of uses in itself interesting so he puts those three oils together in some kind of carrier oil and rubs it on the spot mm -hmm. cool. yeah exactly i have lots of questions but um then you can continue if you if you want but i kind of want to recap here so we're getting so copa Iba has a sweet taste you can take it in a capsule you can put it in water or in a tea correct have you done this have you like used it in food preparations kind of in that way or not really not really yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't use it as like a spice like I would my other like savory essential oils like oregano or basil or thyme or like we were talking the last time I was on here all about like orange oil and how many ways you can cook with orange oil and it t makes everything taste amazing like waffles. I love mm -hmm. orange flavored waffles. Yeah, um, so it's yeah, it's fantastic. So Copaiba is one that I personally don't use to like flavor my dishes. I'll really just maybe add it to either just plain like warm water to make a copaiba tea um, or maybe add it to like lemon tea or something to give it a little bit of extra therapeutic benefit. Right. Yeah. You got to save this stuff up for the pain relieving benefits. So if you were going to put it, let's pretend you're like using, you had talked about as an expectorant, you could put it in some kind of decongestive tea, maybe a lemon tea. Can you um, tell us again, one drop of oil is equivalent, like you have to be kind of careful. You don't want to get tons of drops in there or will it be too strong? Because some, some, or some oils you put in things, it's like, whoa, I put a little too much in there. Things are kind yeah. of burning. So tell us how that should be used appropriately. Yeah. So I think with Copaiba, it's one of those oils that really is so gentle. You don't really have to worry about overusing it as far as, you know, the side effects would be concerned. And really most essential oils are that way. Like it's hard to take too much because essentially what you bring and put into your body, if your body doesn't use it, it very easily just kind of pees it out. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but like we say, one drop of peppermint oil is equivalent to about 26 cups of peppermint tea. So you really only need one drop or 
or it's just going to simply be overpowering for your palate. That is to say, if you put, I mean, I'll, I can drink like eight drops of peppermint oil in a, in a swig of water. I'm okay. It's not going to hurt me. It's just going to be really strong in my mouth, especially because peppermint is a very hot oil. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but Copaiba oil as an example, it's very gentle, but it's also very precious. So you don't want to use a bunch of it because that's just like your body can't use it all at one time. That's just a little wasteful. So exactly. You you really only need, I'd say, I say um, always uh, quantity, uh, qual- uh, what am I trying to say? The, like, the frequency over quantity is always going to help you in the long run. So I'd rather someone do like two drops in their water every two or three hours versus 10 drops in the, you know, in the beginning of the day and then none for the rest of the day. So that's sort of my approach to essential oils is spread it out, but just take it more frequently and your body's going to absorb it a lot better that way. You know, that's a really good thing to reiterate because that is a different mindset shift. We're so used to getting one big dose and having to do something once, but that is the key difference. And that actually can be sort of a, um, it's sort of a thing in herbal medicine as well about the energetics of herbs. And so it kind of goes along the same lines because essential oils are, you know, I call them really strong herbs. And so more frequency. So you're getting that therapeutic benefit more often over lots and lots of quantity is going to work better. So I'm just reiterating what you're saying. Um, so you just mentioned copaiba is precious, which made me, I was thinking you were talking about how it's extracted or harvested from these trees in Brazil. And I mean, we don't really have this question about maple syrup that I know of about concerns of sustain- sustainability, but overall, it seems like it's fairly sustainable because we're just taking the sap. Does that seem correct or incorrect? Um, I think that if it is harvested consciously, then absolutely it can be a very sustainable product. You know, the problem, of course, with a lot of um, products in general is not all companies have that end goal and that consciousness in mind. So, you know, we're talking about a tree that's in the Amazon, you know, it's in the rainforest. Like there can certainly be companies that go in and instead of tapping the tree, maybe they're like, Oh, you know what? This will be a lot easier if we just cut this down, you know, and turn it into an essential oil or use the bark for other reasons. Or I'm, I'm not really sure. Um, I, I can't really speak to what all companies do to get their copaiba mm-hmm. oil. Um, but the company that I purchased from, I know that they always have that consciousness in mind. So they, um, they will never over harvest. They employ all local um, people who live in that tribe or that village or in that area to work on those farms and to extract that sap um, and like keep as much money as we can into that local population. So I think with any um, product that's coming from that area of the world, we do have to be a little scrutinizing of how companies are extracting that and where that money is going to. So I do want to say that, but um, but there are companies that are doing a really good job of that. And it's a, it's a very sustainable product for right. sure. And on that note about qualities of different companies, you mentioned that the beta caryophylline content, which is one of the most important compounds in um, Copaiba oil, can range from 39% to 72%. How does the consumer know what they're getting or get these numbers? What are your suggestions for that to get a good quality, high concentration? Right. Yeah. There's not really an easy answer for that. Unfortunately, it's not, you know, something that companies are just going to disclose, you know, like, hey, look at our, look at our mass specs or whatever. Um, Because that, I mean, not only are those tests 
really difficult for the lay person to interpret and they can get very easily misinterpreted, but it's just, it's just not something that companies are really going to disclose. So at the end of the day, you kind of just have to go with like a trust base with whatever company you're buying from. And I know that that's not always easy to do. And there's a lot of different opinions out there. Um, but I think that if you, if, if you start to know and trust that that company's end goal, it, it you know, does have that sustainability in mind, the less, I'll, I'll say the less middlemen that that, um, company has to go through to get that essential oil, the better off you're going to be. So many, many companies will go through lots of different brokers to get their plant sources, to distill those plant sources, to bottle those plant sources, all these different things. And that becomes a very complex, um, situation there. So I don't know if that helps or just kind of makes everyone really anxious and nervous, but, um, but it's a very complex industry. Right. Kind of like any of the supplement industries, which is what I started to say and then forgot what I was talking about. Um, you know, whether we're talking about CBD or Copa Iba or any other supplement, you do have to get some brand trust going with a company because you can't, you simply can't know every single product, but you can know about that company's integrity as a whole. And that'll make a big difference, you know, overall. I mean, once I know my companies I like, then I'm set, right? Like I know I can trust this with this and this company. I've had good success with them. And that's sort of what you have to do. And I can't tell people like, oh, you can use this CBD oil because you really do need to contact them to get some of their studies or you need to work with someone that's already vetted that for you or, or something, right? Mm-hmm. Same, yeah, absolutely. Same with their essential oils, so. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, in some people, like I hate when people are like, oh, I tried essential oils and they didn't work. And then I kind of sound like like a big like douchebag when I'm like, well, what brand did you use? Maybe that's why it didn't work, you know? But it's it can be very true of like, I hate when people try essential oils or maybe try CBD and they're like, eh, it didn't work for me. And then in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, did you buy like the cheapest one you could find? And, you know, because they're not going to act the same way. But you just have to be really gentle and patient with people and, and try not to be like, well, if you had used this brand, it might have worked, you know? <laughs> right. And I mean, that is a complex story that it's hard to like, you know, people have these soundbite, soundbite conversations and it's a challenge to really know everything you need to know in a soundbite um, on that, you know, on that note, because me coming from a place where I'm looking at a lot of root causes and things, it's like, yeah, maybe one little product isn't the end all be all, but I'm looking for at these products as like adjuncts or substantial helpers in the big picture, right? Um, because sometimes people are just completely ignorant of the big picture. And so that's just a good piece. Like you can't be completely ignorant of, gosh, if you have, if you have regular joint pain all the time and you're not a carpenter or you have no reason to have that regular joint pain, gosh, maybe you got a little bacterial overgrowth of XYZ bacteria prevotella copper or something that causes this joint pain and so addressing that as part of your big picture like maybe it has nothing to do with the essential oil that you tried you know because it was a little right than, than that or i don't know there's yeah. so many ways to to, to, to um, swing that conversation and I, I get you totally i'm sure that's a, yeah. a pain point on that same note um i don't know if we mentioned this CBD and hemp oil are not exactly the same. And I just, if we were talking about this conversation, I wanted to try to put as much accurate or true information in there as possible. Because you said cheapest thing you could find. And when you're looking at CBD oil, CBD oil is very expensive, actually, um, like a good quality one. And so hemp oil, you can often find at a grocery store and it doesn't have the same therapeutic benefits. Now, Copa Ibo oil, tell me about where the price range of that falls. 
Yeah, that's a good question. I actually, you know, I, I pretty much only buy from like the one source I buy from. And so that's going to cost like around $45 as a wholesale member for like a big 15 milliliter bottle. So it's it's not like crazy expensive because one, you know, one big bottle is going to last you a, a, a good long time. Um, on the cheaper end, I don't know. I haven't actually done much research, but I bet if you go to Amazon, you could probably find like a $7 bottle of one. You, well, you know, not, that's because... not what we're suggesting here. I'm just curious. No, like, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's just like a good, like you can see like there, there's going to be a difference between that $45 bottle and that $7 bottle. Like what is actually in that $7 bottle? Probably not a lot of actual pure Copaiba oil, even if it says 100% therapeutic grade pure Copaiba oil that doesn't mean anything. There's no, like, there's no regulations in this industry for what people can put on those labels. So it is very much buyer beware. Right. And I think just having appropriate expectations are good, right? So if you go in and you buy CBD oil or you buy um, Copa Ibo oil and you don't know what the going rate is for a high quality oil now that you've given us that price. I mean, I see CBD oil often 60, 70 bucks for a fairly small bottle, but I can't remember the sizes of them at the moment. Um, common, common sized bottles. So um, it's just, you know, it's important to know what's sort of commonplace in the market, because if you're seeing something for one fourth or one fraction of the price, and it's not substantially smaller, it should set off an alarm in your head. I'm not saying that everything has to be expensive. Some things are high quality, and they're inexpensive. We talked about lemon essential oil to keep on right. the same essential bandwagon, but there's products of every type <laughs> in that in that way. And so having a, appropriate expectations, if I buy just beef 12, I should be able to get it a lot more reasonably than my favorite B complex, you know, and I mean, that might not be the perfect example, but it's, you know, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So let's see, we've covered what CBD is, the therapeutic benefits of CBD. We talked about the endocannabinoid system. We talked about Copaiba, where it is sourced from, how it is made. Um, we talked about how it can be made, used internally as a capsule topically. And um, was there other way you said um, you said it could be diffused? I mean, kind of all the common ways you could use essential oil is what how you can use that, correct? Correct. Cool. Um, so if we can talk really quickly about, we talked kind of a lot about Copaiba and CBD, but let's compare, you know, apples to apples. They're not apples to apples, but... You know, if you're like lining up Copaiba and CBD, people are people having this discussion like, oh, maybe we could use Copaiba instead of CBD, because um, it sounds like maybe some of the benefits are a little bit different. Like they both help with pain, but maybe they're still a little bit different. Maybe you could elaborate on that just a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for that opportunity, because there there are a lot of people having that conversation. Like I hear a lot of people in my same company, in my same industry, um, saying pretty much that, hey, you know, you can use Copaiba as a replacement for CBD. And, and it really, it, it makes me pause and makes me go, hold on, like, what are we actually saying here? Like, and it comes down to integrity and, and kind of understanding what you're saying. So I get like a little bit upset when I hear people say that. But that's not to say that they don't have a lots of similar therapeutic benefits. So it is not comparing apples to apples. You are comparing apples to oranges here. And apples and oranges are both fruits, right? Mm -hmm. They both um, contain a lot of antioxidants. They both contain a lot of the same vitamins and minerals, I'm sure. Um, but they're different and they're going to have different effects on the body. Some of them are going to be the same. Some of them are going to be different. So 
I mean, I've seen like really clever T-shirts <laughs> that say CBD or Copaiba, uh, legal in all 50 states. And I'm like, oh, well, that's really cute, but that's also a little bit dangerous. So let's not like go there specifically. Um, personally, I'm a huge fan of Copaiba oil. Um, it has lots and lots of benefits. It's 100% legal, right? So that's that's really great. Mm-hmm. It's not going to show up on like a drug screen. So that's like a very common um, concern for people, even even people who are taking CBD oil that is like the THC has been extracted. It doesn't have the, you know, the high molecule in it. That can still trigger a false positive on a drug screen. So that's something that, you know, people should be aware of if they're using CBD oil. Um but copaiba is not related to cannabis as a species. Uh, it does interact with the body's endocannabinoid system in a similar way that cannabis and CBD oil does, mostly when we're talking about that CB2 receptor. So kind of like backtracking to the beginning of this um, episode conversation, we were talking about the CB1 receptor and the CB2 receptors and how they're kind of different. And that CB1 receptor is like the the brain. It has that psychoactive effect, you know, to simplify it down, it's a lot more complicated than that. Um, but, but the big, the big similarity and why people like to compare them side to side so much is because of that molecule, um, beta caryophylline. So, or BCP for short. So beta caryophylline, um, is a, it's actually a terpene, and um, like uh, t- terpenes is a very common word in the essential oil world. Lots of essential oils contain lots of different kinds of terpenes mm-hmm. and terpenes have like their own category of healing benefits and health benefits to the body. So be- that beta caryophylline is found in many plants. Um, it's very abundant in cannabis and it's very abundant in copaiba. It's actually more abundant in copaiba. So when you look at CBD oil, they say that the BCP, the um, beta caryophylline level in CBD oil is around 35%. If you compare that to copaiba essential oil, you're going to have that um, beta caryophylline be anywhere from like 35, 37 to like 72%. So really, really high. So someone who is a little bit careless with their words could be like, Oh, copaiba is actually more effective because it has more, like more um, beta caryophylline in it than CBD oil. And beta caryophylline, some people argue that it is a cannabinoid or not a cannabinoid. So some people are like, oh, it's a cannabinoid because it interacts with that endocannabinoid system that we were talking about. And some people are like, oh, yeah, it does interact with that system, but, you know, technically it's a terpene, not a. cannabidiol. So it's kind of, you get into that wordplay a little bit and it can be a little bit confusing, but bottom line, uh, beta caryophylline, which is super high in copaiba essential oil acts like a cannabinoid in, in interacting with that endocannabinoid system. So it's going to have a lot of those similar benefits, but it's not going to be the same. Um, and I think that it can be dangerous to, to say that, And it can also be dangerous to play that game of like, let's only use one (laughs) over the other. When your body might benefit from both, it might benefit from one over the other because all of our bodies are different, right? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, so I wanted to mention a couple of things and then, but I wanted to draw a comparison here. So we have a lot of this beneficial compound or um, component that's in both CBD and Copaiba. We know that CBD is beneficial in pain, anxiety, digestive issues. I don't remember the ones that you talked about. We know that Copaiba is a, is very useful in pain as an expectorant. What were some of the other ones you um you listed so that way I can just kind of draw a little bit of a like both you know they're not exactly the same but some things overlap but not completely yeah so I always think about like the immune system is a huge overlap um the endocrine system so like our hormones mood stress anxiety um digestive support neurological support like memory and the neuroprotective function of our brains and what that all does in the neurological system I think that like that care um beta caryophylline is really beneficial to those systems. And there, so yeah, there's a lot of overlap in that. Um, reducing like, so the CB2 receptors that this is really interacting with the most, um, is it's like an immune, these, these are found in immune tissues throughout the body and they're increased in the brain, um, when someone's diseased or after they've had an injury and the activation of these CB2 receptors reduce inflammation, which lessens pain, reduces the damaging consequences that chronic inflammation has on the brain function, um, and the risk of developing brain diseases. So yeah, lots of overlap. Got it. Is there, um, I didn't go look, is there a lot of research in PubMed about Copaiba? There's not a ton, but I did find a really interesting study um, in the NCBI, the National Center for Biotechnology Information, on Copaiba oil resin, which I'm I'm not really sure what the difference between oil resin and essential oil would be, but I would imagine they'd be uh, pretty similar, if not the same thing. So there was a study... Um, called, this is a lengthy one, Copaiba oil resin treatment is neuroprotective and reduces neutrophil recruitment and micro, uh, my, microglia activation after motor cortex excitotoxic injury. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So that was an interesting study, but it really focused a lot on that, um, that beta caryophylline molecule that is in there. And they classify it in this study, they classify it as a dietary cannabinoid. Mm-hmm. With important inf- inflammatory, anti-inflammatory effects through the inhibition of cannabinoid type two CB two receptors. Cool. Well, I do really like that the taste is right. That really the price is technically right. And the big thing is that we don't have any like legal question marks around Copaiba. I one point of clarification, mostly just a clarification, is that while CBD oil should not be showing up on a drug screen that would depend on its purity and quality based on that company. So if you truly did have a drug screen, if it was my client and I knew that they did have a drug screen, I would either make sure I had documentation in hand from a particular company or just steer them to a different option simply because it maybe wouldn't be worth the risk of the experiment, right? Um, because that's always kind of like just a sort of a question mark, right? Like what is the purity of this supplement? Is Could there be a little THC even though there's not supposed to be any in there, right? And that's just going to depend on company quality right so just right exactly okay cool yeah and another like yeah kind of why we're on the topic of just like safety and like um you know public service (laughs) announcements i have seen a few like studies point towards cbd oil potentially having some 
um, counterindications or interactions with certain medications or like liver diseases or something. I don't know a lot about that, but I have come across it. So I think that's something to be aware of. So far, we have not found any negative consequences to Copaiba essential oil. That's not to say there aren't some. It's just to say that we don't know, you know, if there are any right now. But so far, everything looks very safe, very good. And again, very legal and much easier to obtain for some people. Yeah, for sure. Um, That is a nice thing. So the other big piece is we talked about putting a few drops in some tea. We talked about you can actually put drops of essential oil in a capsule that you can buy an empty capsule just to fill people in on that. Um, And then you can put it on topically. So this could work immediately or it could take some time to be effective. What do you think is a realistic expectation, Sam? Yeah, I I mean, I think that's really going to depend on what's going on in that person's body. I I never like to talk about essential oils as if they're medicine, you know, or as if they're like a pill you can take and get some sort of XYZ effect out of because it's just way more complicated than that. Um, Instead, I always advocate for essential oils as a lifestyle. Uh, Essential oils is just a part of your daily routine, Um, a a substance that you feed your body because you know it's going to help your body do what it was designed to do. So I say if someone's 100% healthy, like take Cobaiba oil. You know, I say if someone is really struggling on their health journey, take Cobaiba. Like it's going to be beneficial to both of those body types. Um, but I, I'd say to start off, if you're brand new to essential oils, always start out slow anyway. You know, I'd say one or two drops in a capsule or, you know, one or two drops rubbed onto the back of your spine or the back of your neck. Um, or on top of your liver, like really wherever you're feeling like you need the most support, you kind of want to just put it on as close to that area as you can. Or if you're not really sure, just take it in a capsule, start with one or two drops and then work your way up from there over, over like the span of a day, like add a drop a day to your dosage and then listen to your body's response um, and see how you're feeling. You know, if you're my husband and you rub it on those those uh, joints, like he feels it pretty immediately. Like he really benefits from it immediately. If you're dealing with, um, if you're trying to support your neurological system or your immune system, that might be a little more complicated and might take more time. So it's kind of hard to say. But as always, like I say this on my show all the time, like it's worth experimenting with and it's worth trying and it's worth adding to your lifestyle. Yeah, I love that. And I liked what you said about this helps your body, this helps support your body to do the things that it should be able to do. And that is sort of a a tagline for herbs is that they're supposed to encourage your body to kind of work on its own. It's like, it's support to move it in the right direction, basically. Yeah, so now I'm going to go ahead and take your advice, or I'm going to take your lead and, and as I'm going to go make a little Copa Iba uh, cocktail and start testing it on some different things, um, like an upcoming ski trip. But tell me, I've had this Copa Iba in the, on the shelf for a few years. Uh, how long, what is the shelf life of essential oils? So if you've, if you've had your cap on tightly and you have not had your oil sitting in direct sunlight or in like extreme temperatures, then it should be really fine to use indefinitely. It really shouldn't ever go quote unquote bad. Um, The only time that essential oils really can spoil or go bad is if they're mixed with some sort of fatty-based carrier oil or, um, you know, added like a lot of synthetic additives added to it or something like that. So if you've got a good quality Copaiba sitting on your shelf and it's been there for years, if, you know, you've got that cap on tight and the temperatures haven't been extreme, then should be good to go. 
Cool. Very good. And that makes a lot of sense because just like other foods that contain a lot of fat, like nuts, for example, they can oxidize and, and spoil quickly. I'm sure it's along the same lines with the spoiling or um, kind of mixing that with the copaiba probably, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really just the fatty oils that can spoil like that. So Sam, that was fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing that with us. Where can people find you? So you can tune into my podcast if you want to learn a lot more about essential oils and different health topics. We have a new episode every week, and that's called The Essential Oil Revolution. You can find it on find it on any podcast app, or you can listen on our website, revolutionoilspodcast.com. Um, if you want to connect with just me personally and see the other types of works that I do, or maybe take my free essential oil course, you can find that all on samanthaleewright.com. Mm-hmm. And write with a W, so... Right with a W, Lee is L-E-E, Samantha cool. Lee Wright. Very good. Thank you so much, Sam, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Krista. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stress Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stress Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 